Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning, CityWalk. How we doing? Morning, those of you that are watching online. How many of you almost had a heart attack last night? Some of you are like, what? The 49er fans in the room know exactly what I'm talking about. I told our team, I said, we're going to have a full house today because God answered a lot of prayers last night and people promised God they'd come to church if a certain somebody missed a field goal and he did. And so uh, thanks for keeping up your prayer requests with God. Uh, before we dive in, my, I, I'm a Bucks fan, so you know I ain't going to go long today because, uh, yeah. 12 o'clock, I know where I'll be. Uh, but before I dive in, some of you are like, I thought pastors were supposed to be more spiritual than this. Come on. Uh, but before I dive in, before we dive into a series we started a few weeks ago, I wanted to tell you, and you, you may have got a newsletter this week about this in your email box, but next week we're going to celebrate a birthday together. We're going to celebrate five years as a church next Sunday, and so yeah. And so we got a lot of things planned. I want to encourage you to be here. I want to encourage you to bring somebody with you. If you know somebody that usually comes to church, but you haven't seen them in a few weeks, make sure they're here with you. And uh, we're going to do some fun things during the service, kind of look back at some of the ways God's been at work over the first few years. But then we're also afterwards, it's supposed to not rain, uh, but, and, and hopefully it won't. Uh, we're going to have a birthday party out front on our way out. And so in order for that birthday party to be really special, you got to have good party food. And so we're going to have a cake. We're going to have some other snacks, but we want to encourage you to bring your favorite party snack with you. In fact, you can go in the app, in the announcements, and actually sign up to, to kind of say what you're going to bring And uh, after church, you'll bring it in at the beginning of church, but then after church, we'll have it all set up. And uh, we've got some fun things planned next week after church. So make sure you're back and and bring with you a favorite snack, uh, and that'll make it even better. Uh, Unless the 49ers are playing the early game, and that'll be a short birthday party for some of you. Uh, But but, uh, this week, you guys know this, uh, we had on on Monday, we had uh, celebrated Martin Luther King. And uh, something that every single year we set a day aside and we celebrate the life and the impact of Martin Luther King Jr. And one of the things, and you know this, whether you know a lot about Martin Luther King or not, you have probably heard a portion of or read a portion of one of his speeches. Uh, Even if you don't know a lot about him, you've probably heard some things that he said because Uh, One of the things that we remember most about him was he used words to encourage and move people. Uh, He he used, he had several speeches that, that man, are are iconic speeches, honestly, that we remember. And and one speech that is probably the speech that is the most, uh, the the one that we remember most, the one that you've probably heard of, it's the one that made the, the phrase, I have a dream very special in our society was a speech that he gave in Washington in 1963. And and the I have a dream speech is just one example of how words can be incredibly powerful, they can be impactful, they can be inspiring. And and you know this, whether it's a, a historical speech like he gave, or maybe it's the speech that that Ronald Reagan gave in front of the the wall where he said, tear this wall down. Or maybe it's a speech that you read from someone that's not alive anymore. But but words are powerful. And whether it's that historical speech or whether it's something that you read in a book that you never forgot, 
or, or whether it was something that someone said to you in a conversation and probably for most of us, we, we probably don't remember a lot of conversations, but there's certain conversations, there's certain words, there's certain phrases that we can remember someone saying to us that, that made a huge impact on us. And, and you know this, that, that words, they have so much power. They have the power to encourage, but they also have the power to destroy. Words have the power not only to encourage and destroy, but they have, they have the power to give hope. And they also have the power to bring sorrow. Words have the power to direct and clarify, but they also have the power to confuse. And we live in a society where words are many. Everyone has a platform, everyone has an opinion, everybody is trying to remind you and, and get you to think that their words are right and what they think is right. It's just a society that we live in. And if we're not careful, we begin to find ourselves anxious, confused, discouraged, directionless, because we're listening to so many different voices from so many different angles and it can stifle someone from even moving forward in areas of their life and maybe you've experienced that maybe you've experienced that where you have man you've there's so many voices and opinions on certain subjects that that you just man I don't even know what to believe I don't even know what direction to go I'm just confused and, and the thing is for, for a lot of us, we found ourselves in a, in a place like that, and instead of kind of leaning into truth, two things happen. First, we're confused, what is truth? Or then we find ourselves saying, you know what, is there truth? Like, is there truth, or is there, you have your thoughts, I have my thoughts, is there really anything that you can lean on as really true. And, and this happens to individuals. They find themselves confused or depressed or directionless because of all the voices. But honestly, it can happen to churches as well. It can happen to organizations where there's so many different voices and, and so many different directions. And it's just, man, it gets very confusing. And it's one of the reasons that at the beginning of this year, we decided as a church that we wanted to go back to the scriptures and remind ourselves from the scriptures what's important, what we value. And today, the value that we're going to be talking about is the value we place on truth. And when we say we value truth, here's what we mean. And, and this phrase will be up on the screen. It's also in the app. We believe the Word of God is powerful and sufficient. When we say that we value truth, here's what we mean. We believe the Word of God is powerful. It's extremely powerful. But we also believe that it's sufficient. And maybe you're there, maybe you're watching online, and you have like a natural pushback to that. And I, I, no, no sweat. Maybe you push back a little bit in your spirit. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're listening to this later on in the week, and there's a pushback in your spirit. And in your mind, you're saying, powerful and sufficient isn't even reliable. Forget it being powerful. Forget it being sufficient. Is it even a reliable document? And maybe you're asking yourself this question, why should I trust the Bible? And it's a great question. And today, I don't have time to walk through why the Bible is historically reliable, but I did last April. And so I want to encourage you, if you have that question, if there's a pushback in your soul that says, you know what, I'm not sure that I even, I don't know if I believe it's powerful and sufficient because I don't even know if I can trust it. I don't even know if it's a reliable document. I want to encourage you to go into the app. And last April, we did a whole message on the, the, the subject of why should I trust the Bible? So you can go back and listen to that. Here's what I will say about that subject before we dive into why we believe the scriptures is powerful and sufficient. 
I will say this. So the Bible, and you, you know this, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, it's, a, it's unique among other books ever written. The Bible, it accurately foretells specific events in detail years ahead of time, sometimes centuries ahead of time. Maybe you didn't know this, but in the Bible, there's approximately 2,500 prophecies. So a prophecy is basically somebody saying something that's going to happen in the future. It might happen in the future in a year, or it might be something that they're saying it's going to happen in the future in a hundred years. That's a prophecy. And in the Bible, specifically, mostly in the Old Testament, there's 2,500 prophecies. That's a lot. Where, where someone has written or said, this is going to happen in the future. So far, about 2,000 of those 2,500 have come to pass exactly how they were prophesied to come to pass. About 500 of them still are future prophecies. And so if you're a math person, and I'm not, hence why I was in Algebra 1 in my senior year, uh, with eighth graders. Uh, I had to failed in eighth grade, so I had like one semester I had to go make up, and so I had to be in there with eighth graders. Uh, but, but if you're a math person, this, this probability, you, you are, already can see, man, the probability of 2,000 prophecies coming true exactly the way they were said to come true, it's, it's crazy. So, so for one prophecy to come true, and be, be kind of fulfilled exactly how it said it was going to be fulfilled, it's about, the odds are about 1 in 10. But for 2,000 to come true, the odds are 1, and then 1, 0, 2, and 2,000 zeros. So I don't know what number that is. It's real big though. And that, so, so you can see whether you, you know, believe the Bible is reliable or not, and I would encourage you, we talk about why from history compared to other historical documents, why we believe the Bible is reliable, not just because the Bible says it is, but because of how we look at other historical documents. I encourage you to go back and listen to that message because we as a, a, a gathering, we believe that truth is really important. And we don't value truth or the scriptures because we think that that's like a good thing to do. We value truth because we think that the scriptures are reliable, we think they're powerful, and we think they are sufficient. There was a guy that you may have heard of, whether you grew up in church or not, his name was Paul. And Paul was a guy that, uh, for the first kind of part of his career, was really anti-Jesus. Like he was so anti-Jesus that he was all about, like his whole world was wrapped up in stopping people that were worshiping Jesus to the point of killing them. That's what he was about. Jesus transformed him and he went as hard as he was going to, against Jesus, he went that hard for Jesus for the rest of his life. So he finds himself at the end of his life, he's in a Roman kind of dungeon He's awaiting somebody coming to the door and coming to the door, knocking on that dungeon door and taking him out and killing him. That's what he's waiting on. He knows he's about to die. He knows he's at the end of his life. He knows that his death is imminent. So he's kind of waiting for that knock at the door and he knows they're going to take him outside the city, probably behead him like he knows it's coming. And as he's sitting in that dungeon and awaiting certain death, he writes a letter to a young man by the name of Timothy. A guy that he was kind of the spiritual father to Timothy. He had poured his life in Timothy. And Timothy was kind of the guy that he was passing the baton of ministry to. And he writes to Timothy. And as he's writing to Timothy, he, he uses the first part of the letter to encourage Timothy and to kind of prepare him for what's coming. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul, who's a really straight shooter... He kind of tells Timothy what's going to come, kind of the bad news. And then he spends the rest of that chapter really encouraging Timothy to lean into the scriptures in the midst of the bad that's coming. So if you have your Bible, or, or it'll be up on the screen, or you can find it in the app, look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, 
And as we read this, I want you to read this as this is literally Paul's final writing that we have before he died. This is his last words to this young man named Timothy. He says this. He says, hey, Timothy, know this. Hard times will come in the last days. He says, for people will be, and what he does is he lists about 20 characteristics of people that, are, that have kind of rejected God or a society that's rejected God. He says, hey, here's what you can expect, buddy. He says, for people will be lovers of self. So they'll be narcissists. He says, they'll be lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, or abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, this idea of like heartlessness. He says, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, they will be brutal, or another way to say it, they'll be untamed, the opposite of civilized. Hey, Timothy, this is what it's going to be like. And, And he goes on, he's like, hey, let me continue to pile on more bad news, buddy. He says, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And then he kind of wraps it up with this phrase. He says, holding to the form of godliness, but denying its power, avoid these people. And so he says, hey, Timothy, I'm I'm about to go to heaven, but here's what you can expect. And he just lists, hey, man, this is what life's going to be like. These are, this is what people are going to be like. This is what society is going to be like. And at the end of this, he, he, he talks about how there will be this outward appearance of godliness, this pretend godliness, this, this mask, this costume that looks like it's godly, but inside it will be godliness without any power, without any real godliness. It'll just be all fake. He says, that's what, that's what it's going to be like. And I, he says, I encourage you to avoid these type of people. And these were people that, man, they claimed to follow Jesus. They claimed to even some of them be teachers. But yet inside they were godless. Inside they were narcissists. And, and he said, hey, this is what it's going to be like. Avoid these people. And then what he does over the, the next few verses is he describes some of those specific people and, and, and how they kind of look the part on the outside, yet they manipulate others with lies and deceit. And he spends a couple verses doing that. See, in the midst of an immoral and self-centered society with unhealthy families, manipulative leaders, and people who pretend to love God, here's what Paul does next. He's just kind of laid that out. Like it's a lot of pretend, a lot of fake, a lot of godlessness, a lot of heartlessness, a lot of pride. But then what he does to encourage Timothy is he says, hey, let me point you to what should give you hope. And what he does, and this is huge, first thing he does is he points to his example. He he wants to give Timothy an example of, you know what, it doesn't have to be that way. But then what he does after he points to his example is he points to the scriptures and he tells Timothy why the scriptures are so valuable. Look with me at what he says in verse 10. You'll see it up on the screen. And and just just feel the passion in this because, again, this is his his kid spiritually. This is the guy he cares deeply about. He knows he's about to leave earth and it's his final words. To this guy that he cares so deeply about that is taking the ministry that Paul has started and is going to move it on. So so listen to these words with that in mind. He says this, but you, Timothy, you followed my teaching. You followed, I've I've taught you, taught you the scriptures. You followed my conduct. You've you've watched my way of life. He, He says, my purpose faith, patience, love, and endurance. He's saying, in contrast to all the people I just described, in contrast to some of the false teachers that you're going to come across, Timothy, 
some of the self-centered leaders who pretend to love God. I am different, Timothy. You've seen a different example. You've seen someone whose teaching and way of life match up. You've seen somebody who says one thing and lives what they say even when it gets tough. Timothy, we've been in some good times and some bad times, and you've followed my purpose, my way of life, my teaching. You, you, you remember, Timothy, you remember how it was. And, and then he kind of reminds Timothy of, of some of the tough times. He says, along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and yet the Lord rescued me from them all. He says, in fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. He says, Timothy, man, you, 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 you remember what happened in Iconium. You, you remember what happened in Lystra. You remember how my life was in danger. You remember the amount of times I was thrown in jail and beaten severely. You remember when they took me outside the city and stoned me and left me thinking I was dead. You remember those things. And you also remember that, hey, after they left me dead, I got up and I went back into the city to continue my ministry. You remember that, Timothy. And, and, and Timothy, this persecution that I faced, you haven't seen these false teachers face it. They, they talk a good game, but you've never seen them walk out their faith when things weren't great. You've watched that in my life, Timothy. And then what he does is he says, Timothy, you've seen me suffer. You've, you've, you've watched it. And, and he says in verse 13, he says, evil people and imposters will become worse deceiving and being deceived so he says hey man it's uh, not probably going to get better until jesus comes back there's always going to be people who are liars who are going to try to deceive who will be imposters who will try to play the part but aren't who they claim to be that's the way it's going to be for a long time and so after he kind of gives this reality, in the very next phrase, he points Timothy to the scriptures. And, and the reality, what the interesting thing is the reality that Paul described to Timothy, he could have written that exact same letter to you and me today. And we would have been like, yep, yep, narcissist, proud, fake, you know, all that stuff there. Yeah, that's still going on, uh, like really big in our, our society. Yeah, that's all, all that you just described, Paul. You could have written that about our society today. It's exactly what's still happening. It may look a little different. There's some different tools we use to do it with now. But man, all of the same stuff that you described to Timothy that you warned him about, man, it's still happening today. And so what Paul does is he says, okay, but in the midst of that, there's hope. And he points Timothy to the scriptures. Here's what he says. Look, look with me at verse 14. He says, but as for you, don't worry about all that other stuff. Those are all those other people. That's what all, everybody else is going to do. Don't worry about the culture, all this stuff. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. Timothy, you've been taught some things. You've had people invest in you. In the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the, the craziness in culture, I want you to continue in, abide in, stay connected to what you have learned and firmly believed. He says, you know those who taught you. Like You, you watch the lives of the people that taught you. This is credible what you've been taught. And you know that from infancy, man, since you were as young as possible, when you first could understand anything, you remember you've known the holy, the sacred scriptures. And so Paul says, I want you, man, you from the time you were a little boy, you have had faithful, not perfect, 
but you have had a faithful mom. We know Timothy had a faithful grandma. We know that Paul met up with Timothy probably as a teenager or a young man, and, and he's had these people pouring into him, teaching him the scriptures. And so he says, man, Timothy, when you're tempted to move, when you're tempted to listen to culture, when you're tempted to fit in, you don't. You continue in what you've been taught. You stay connected to it. You abide in it. We have this society now where, and I don't know that this is new with our society, where, man, there's always greener grass on the other side of the fence. And there's always a different answer. And there's always, oh, this probably, oh, this, this is old-fashioned, or this is da-da-da-da-da. And, and so we're going to move into something new and try this new thing. And, and I'm all for trying new things in a lot of areas of life, but not when it comes to truth. And that's where he's saying, Timothy, man, it's going to be crazy. And there's going to be a lot of crazy people and culture and deceit and manipulation. And that was before social media. And he's like... Dude, don't get caught up in all that. Don't sit there and scroll all night and wonder why you're depressed. Because you hear voice after voice after voice telling you your life sucks because you don't have this. Or be telling you you should believe this or this story or this kind of fake person. Like you just scroll through that all day and don't do it. He says, man, lean into the truth that you've been taught. One, because it's the scriptures. Two, because you know the people that taught it to you. You've watched their life. But then he goes on and, and he says this. He says, this scripture that you've been taught, you've been taught since you were a little kid. He says, let me, let me tell you why. Why you should lean into it. He says, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Hey, Timothy, this scripture that you've been taught since you were a kid, this scripture that I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to encourage you with literally my last breath on earth, I'm encouraging you to lean into and continue in and stay connected with. It's so powerful because it, Timothy, the scripture, it literally gives people wisdom and points them to salvation. Timothy, it, this scripture that I'm encouraging you to lean into, it, it reveals to people their sin and their need for Jesus. It reveals to people what Jesus did to give them hope. It shows them the way. This scripture points people and gives them wisdom that literally will change their eternity. Stay with it. I remember I have uh, two brothers. I have, uh, I'm the oldest. I have a brother named Matt who lives in Tennessee, and then I have a brother named Brent, who's our, kind of the youngest. He's four years younger than me, and he lives in Alabama. And, and some of you, you've met Brent. He was here on our, our very first Sunday. He was here for our launch Sunday. Uh, he serves in ministry in, in Alabama and has a just beautiful family we love. Well, he wasn't always like that. When he was uh, a teenager, so I was oldest, and I, I stayed pretty focused. I wasn't like a torch for Jesus, like on fire all the time, but I, I was, stayed pretty focused. My brother Matt was the kid that probably has read his Bible every day since he was born and was really focused. Like for him, like there's the pray at the pole once a year kind of celebration for Matt and his friends. That wasn't enough, so they prayed at the pole every single day at their school. And my brother Brent was the kid that was probably throwing rocks at the kids praying at the pole. So Brent was that kid. He was that kid that probably uh, did everything that you don't want your teenagers to do. Like he checked all the boxes. And I can remember when he was 18, I had been away at college for some of his teenage years, but I was, I was back. He was 18. He had just graduated. He was looking into becoming a bartender. He was at that point a, a dishwasher at a, like a barbecue place. And, and I, I, I remember going to his work. And sitting down with him, and for me, my brother Brent was the very first prayer request in my prayer journal. Like, he was the person I was praying for the most, because he was just a, a train wreck. And I remember sitting down with Brent over lunch, and we could talk like this, because he was my brother. I just looked at him, it's like, dude, you're a loser. And I, I meant that in the most loving way. I just was trying to be as honest as possible, like, what are you doing? 
And, and I said, here's what I would encourage you to do, man. I'd encourage you to, this first year out of high school, instead of going to bartender school or doing whatever you think you're going to do, I would encourage you to go to Word of Life Bible Institute. It's where I had gone. It's a one-year Bible school. It's where my brother Matt had gone. And it's, it's just a place where you kind of get away and you, you, you're taught the Bible. It's a college. And I said, man, I'd really encourage you. And he had actually promised my parents that he would go a few years earlier. So I said, dude, I, I would encourage you to do that. I said, here's what I would say. If you'll just go for one quarter, if you come home at Christmas and you're like, nah, that's not for me, I'll never bother you again. And I remember just praying and praying and praying for him. And, and eventually, and I don't know what kind of turned the key in his head. He's like, okay, I'll go. So I remember when we put him on the plane to go to New York, which is where the school is. And man, he was, he was just a, kind of a mess. And about two, three weeks after he got there, he called me and he was just bawling his eyes out. And he was one of those kids, he was really good at wrestling, kind of one of those kids that tried to keep the hard outward look and didn't want anybody to ever know what he really felt. And so he was literally on the phone a few nights in a row, just crying. And here's what had happened. He had sat in a class where they were teaching through the book of James every day. He would go three, four hours in class, and the word of God was pricking him and wrecking him. And it was during that first quarter at the Word of Life Bible Institute that he accepted Christ as his personal savior. He just came to a place where he's like, I need Jesus. And he had grown up in the same home. I had grown up with church every Sunday, but he had rejected it. And God used his word. No fancy. It was just sitting in front of a professor teaching the book of James to wreck his heart. And I remember when my brother came home at Christmas, not only did he want to go back, but he used his Christmas break to lead some of his wrestling buddies to the Lord and to get them into church. His life was radically changed because of the power and sufficiency of the scriptures. And that's what Paul was saying to Timothy. He's saying, man, this scripture that I'm trying to encourage you to stay connected to. This has power to save and change people. Don't move away from it. But he says this, he said, not only does it have power to help someone who doesn't follow Jesus, but man, it has tremendous power for those that already follow Jesus. He says this, in the, he says in the next phrase, he says, all scripture is inspired by God. So Timothy, all this scripture that you have, and they didn't have everything we had have, because Paul was literally writing some of it then. They didn't have all of it, but they had a lot of the Old Testament. They had some of the stuff. He says, hey, all of it's inspired by God. It's God-breathed. Peter said it this way when he talked about what it meant to have the inspiration of God on scripture. He said this. He said, above all, you know that this, you know this, no prophecy of the scripture comes from the prophet's own interpretation. He goes on, because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. See, Timothy, this writing that you're reading, the scripture, it was written by man, but it was inspired by God. God, this wasn't these men's idea. God and his spirit carried these people along as they were penning what God was telling them to pen. These are the words of God, Timothy. And he says this, he says, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable. What's it profitable for? For teaching. So it's, it's profitable for showing us what's true, teaching, doctrine. It's profitable for rebuking. This is the part we don't like. It's the, ouch, my life doesn't line up. It shows me what's wrong. In fact, another portion of Scripture compares Scripture to a mirror. So you, like you probably did this morning, you woke up and you looked in a mirror. And you, why do you look in a mirror? Maybe you're just like looking at yourself, but probably most of you look in a mirror to see like, 
Do I still have dinner on my face from last night? What does my hair look like? Like, is, is it what I'm wearing, does it match? And, and probably, if you look and you see, you know what? I've got, like, dinner on my face, my zipper's down, and my socks don't match. You see that in the mirror, what do you do? You don't like, okay, well, let's go to church. No, it's like, well, let me fix that. It shows you what you need to adjust. And that's what Paul's saying. The, the scriptures, it gives you truth, but then it also just kind of graciously shows you, man, what's not right? What doesn't line up with God's best? It, it's clear about that. And then he says this. He says, so that the man of God or woman of God may be complete. So correcting, training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped, for every good work. The scriptures gives us truth. It shows us when our lives don't line up with God's best. It shows us how to change. So it doesn't just leave us hanging and say, hey, well, your life doesn't line up with God's best, but hey, good luck. Shows us how to change. It shows us how to continually walk with God. And then Paul closes this section by saying, hey, it basically gives you everything you need. You are thoroughly equipped to live out God's best in your life. It gives you everything you need. Everything we need to live God's best, we find in the scriptures. Which leads me to a question that I think would be helpful for all of us to ask ourselves. And so here's the question. What source... Do you lean into for direction in your life? Simple question, but think about it. So we, Paul, he's, man, pretty passionately, final words to Timothy. He's man, really pushing Timothy to lean into the Scripture. He's reminded of how the Scripture is so powerful and it's sufficient. And man, stick with it. Don't get caught up in the other stuff. But now we're sitting here and, and 2,000 years later... We're sitting here and we have to ask ourselves this question. What source do you and I lean into for direction? There's, this give, this, there's application for our whole church, but then there's also an individual application. So, so for our church, you have to think, man, like what's the foundation to our programs? What's the foundation to what we teach, how we give counsel, what, what, what directs us in how we use resources? I mean, are we, are we looking at the latest church fad? Is it a politician that tells us? Is it, is it social media and something we saw? Like, what's the foundation? What's the source? What gives us direction as a church? It's a good question. But then as an individual, to, to think about that question for yourself, like, what source do you and I lean into for direction? in our life. What voice directs you in how you work through relationships, how you use money, how you manage setbacks, how you deal with things in your marriage? Like you, you and I go somewhere to get direction. We go to some source to get some help. What source do you go to? What source do I go to? See, one of the lies that the evil one he, he kind of tries to, to get out is he wants us to believe that we can choose truths, truth kind of from an a la carte menu. Like when I was a little boy, the greatest Sunday ever for our family, remember I grew up with three boys, is when my dad would say something like this after church, hey guys, you want to go to Golden Corral? And if you're not from the South, you're like, what is that? It's a uh, basically a trough. Uh, it, that's basically what it is. It's one of those kind of old school smorgasbords that you could go and like, you could eat Mexican, you could eat pizza, you could have a, a fried chicken. Like you, there was all kind of things to choose from. And there was nothing better for three boys than like dad saying that. Cause man, and we just went crazy. They lost money on us for sure. But, and, and as good as it is to go as a little, my wife, she won't step foot in those kind of places uh, for various reasons, uh, but I still will. So if y'all ever want to go, let's go. Uh, but some of us, and maybe it's not us, maybe it's someone else, but, but sometimes we look at truth that way. 
We kind of think that we can choose truth from kind of an a la carte little smorgasbord menu. And it's like, you know what? Jesus, I like what you said about marriage here, but I'm not a big fan of what you said over there. So I'm going to go with what I heard on social media in that area. And I'll go with what you said in this area, kind of do a 50-50 thing. And so we, that's just kind of normal. Or, or you know what? I, I, I like what Proverbs says about money, but Paul, not so much. Not a big fan of what you said about money. So I'm going to kind of do the 50-50 life thing, and, and I'll kind of eat, eat the good stuff and spit out the bones, if you know what I'm saying, Paul. And, and so that's kind of how we have been taught that. I, and we say it like this. This is kind of my truth. Okay. And that's kind of the words that we've used to kind of justify. Oh, it's my truth. See, Jesus' brother, he talked about this 50-50 life thing, and here's how he said it. He said, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That 50-50 life doesn't always give you what it promises. That, let me grab a little bit over there. I like that in this season of my life. And, but I do like what Jesus said over here in this season of my life. And, you know, that proverb is nice, but that Genesis, not so much. Like, I'm going to just 50-50 life. And, and J- James says, you know what? That's a, a good way to have a really unstable life. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And and it's why as a gathering, we value truth and we believe the word of God is powerful and it's sufficient. But what about you? What about me personally? What about you watching online? What about you? Like we can, we can lean in as a gathering and say, yes, we believe that. We are all in to have, you know, be in a church that believes that. But what about us Monday through Saturday? Do we believe that the word of God is powerful and sufficient? Maybe for you, it's like, man, Chris, yes, I'm all in. I'm all into that, Chris. I want God's word to direct my life. And honestly, Chris, this was just a really good kind of a reminder for me, kind of poured fuel on a fire that's already going inside me. And maybe that's you. It's like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, yes, the scriptures are important in my life. And it's, I want the scriptures to direct my life, even if what they say is sometimes uncomfortable. Maybe that's you. Or, or maybe you'd be honest and say, Chris, that unstable person, if I'm honest, I, I, I kind of do the 50, maybe, maybe it's like, I'm, like, I'm up to 75, 25, I'm 75%, you know, the word, and I still sneak over here and get about 25% of my truth over here, but maybe you'd say, Chris, I, I do find myself a little unstable, and what voice to listen to, and kind of foggy, because this says this, and this says this, and, and maybe you'd be honest enough to say, yes, that's kind of where I find myself. You may be online, and, and you'd say, that's, that's kind of me. And here's what I would say. No matter if you're the person that says, you know what, I'm all in, dude. This is just fuel to the fire. I love the scriptures. It directs my life. Man, that's... Or, or maybe you're honest enough to say, Chris, no, nah, it's just not been... I've been kind of that person that I have some of this I listen to. And then I, all, you know, I come to church on Sunday and get some truth there too. But that's kind of a little 50-50. So here's what I would encourage you to do. I'm going to ask you to do something. Just think about doing something that I think will help all of us focus in on the right voices in our life. And so here, here's what I would, some of you are going to be like, what? For the next 21 days, this is, no one's going to check up on you. You don't have to check a box when you come to church. I'm just, if, if you're the type of person that's like, you know what, I, I want to just lean more into the scriptures I want to lean more into the voice of God, and I want to quiet the other voices for a season. So for the next 21 days, only look at City Walk Church Social. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but use at least one of your 10 minutes for that. Uh, just kidding. Uh, no, but for the next 21 days, I'm going to ask you to do, think about doing three things. 
for the next 21 days, would you limit your social media to 10 minutes a day? You're like, what? I just got my notification that I was three and a half hours on that, you know, last week. Like, would you? And, and, and here's what it might mean. It might just mean, hey, I go to social media to see specific things, but I'm not going to spend time just scrolling for the next 21 days. Going to be more purposeful. Some of you use it for your business. I, so we obviously use it for church. So, you know, you still got to use it. It still has a place. But, but does it have to be the place that I go to and sit for minutes and even hours and just listen to all these voices? Could I, for 21 days, limit my social media to 10 minutes a day? And then here's the second thing. Would you, for the next 21 days, spend 15 minutes reading God's Word? So I'm going to limit some time in social media. And maybe for you, it's, you're like, I don't do social media, but, but darn it, man, I, I watch Fox News for seven hours a day, or I watch MSNBC for seven hours a day. Maybe for you, it's like not social media, but it's another type of media that you're like, I'm going to limit those voices, and I'm going to spend 15 minutes in God's Word. And I would encourage you to start in the book of Luke. And just for the next 21 days, spend 15 minutes reading. You'll be able to work through. I'm reading Luke right now in my personal time with God. It's just a great book that tells the story of Jesus. And you can, in the next 21 days, you can work through it. And then the last thing, would you be willing to discuss what you're reading with one person a week? So I'm going to limit some time on social media or other media. I'm going to lean into God's word. And then I'm just once a week, it might be somebody in your small group, might be somebody at your work, might be somebody in your family, but I'm just going to kind of have one conversation at least where I just, Hey, let me tell you something that I was reading in the book of Luke or whatever you're reading. And maybe they have something they want to share with you. And so I'm going to have some dialogue around what I'm reading. And I really believe that if, and, and maybe for you, it's something else. Maybe for you, you want to adjust it. Maybe it's, you got to do something else for you, but, but silencing some of the voices that, that are telling us things that are anti what the scriptures say and leaning into the scriptures. And here's what I think. If you struggle with depression and I'm not making a promise to you, so don't be like, oh, you said, but are, are, are you're foggy with some of your thinking or you're struggling in some, some things in your mind, I think if you'll do this, I think it won't get worse. I'll promise you that. I, I think you'll probably say, you know what? At the end of 21 days, I just felt like I had more peace. I just was, had some clearer thinking. It's just, just cool to watch how God uses his word. Paul went to his grave believing the scriptures are powerful and sufficient. And the, the reason we know that what he believed is true is because 2,000 years later, one of the evidences, it's still impacting millions upon millions upon millions of people's lives. And, and I, I really believe that you and I will not regret lining up with Paul on this belief. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we have your word. And I mean, for a lot of us, we probably have multiple copies of your word in our house. We have multiple apps we can access for free that give us your word, that give us commentaries and notes from authors about your word. We have so many tools. But God, we also have so many other voices that distract us. Maybe you're here as with every head bowed and every eye closed. You're, maybe you're watching online and you're a follower of Jesus. You've, you've made a decision to follow Jesus. And, and have you thought when I asked that question, did you think about that question? What source have you been leaning into for direction? Like just in the quietness of this room or wherever you're watching this, would you just be honest, just between you and God? What, what, where have you been getting direction for your finances, for your marriage, for your relationships, for your parenting, what, whatever? Would you be willing for the next 21 days to limit the media that you're taking in 
to lean into God's word and then connect with somebody about it. Would you be willing to do that? If so, tell God that. You're not making a promise to me. You're not making a promise to this church. It's very personal. But I would encourage you right now, if, if you're willing to do that, to just between you and God, just make that commitment to God. Make that commitment to God. God, for the next 21 days, I'm going to limit my social media. I'm going to spend at least 15 minutes a day with you and your word. And I'm going to have at least one conversation with someone else about what you're teaching me, what I'm reading. Just tell God. Maybe you're here or you're watching online and you'd say, Chris, I'm, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I've, man, I come to church or I watch church, but I've, I've never myself kind of stepped over that line to start a relationship with Jesus. And then the scriptures, it, it gives us a lot of things. It helps us with a lot of things, but there's nothing more important than how it points us to Jesus and how we can have a relationship with him. And so if you're here or you're watching online and you would say, Chris, that's where I need to start. How would I start a relationship with God today? Well, it's, it's real simple. Are you willing to admit to God that you've sinned? Are you willing to just be honest with God and say, God, I haven't always done things your way. I've sinned. Are you willing to believe that when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, that he did that for you? He paid for your sin, did it for you. And then are you willing to just call and say, God, I believe that. Please come into my life. I want a relationship with you. You say, Chris, I, I want to do that. Well, I'm going to say a prayer out loud. And if that's who you are, if that's what you believe and you want to take that step, I'm going to say this prayer out loud and you, wherever you're at, watching online or you're here with us this morning, you can put this in your own words and you talk to God. Just tell God something like this. Hey, God, I admit to you that I've sinned. Just tell God. God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave for me. God, I want a relationship with you. Come into my life and save me now. If you're here this morning and you prayed that prayer and you made that decision, we'd love to know about it. And we'd love to put a tool or two in your hands to help you in your walk with God. And so if you made that decision, you can fill out that decision card. It's right in front of you. Take it to the next steps table on your way out. And we actually have a brand new Bible that we would love to give you to help you along in your new relationship with Christ. If you're watching online, you can go to citywalk.cc and you can fill out a card there and we'll connect with you as well. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we can trust your word. God, I pray that over this next 21 days, maybe for the first time or maybe just reminding ourselves, God, I pray that we would lean into your word like we never have before and we trust your word to teach us, to encourage us, to change us. In Jesus' name, amen.